Get it in here. I got one thing to say. This is when the big dogs come out. Damn right. Okay? Damn right. The king of the big dogs. Stay on the board. It's time. Live. Let's rock this place. Let's have some fun. In the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. We are seeing a special performance tonight. Diagnosis, prognosis, osmosis. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. The doctor is now in. Hour number two, glad to have you here. T.C. Martin Show, streaming live, of course, tcmartinshow.com. We are at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas here all week long. Make sure you come on by, say hello, and don't forget Friday, our best bet segment and array of guests as well. Jay Schrader, we join us, the former Raider, the former Redskin, because he was a Redskin. It's okay for me to say that. I get it, I get it. Super Bowl champion, I know. I'm looking at you, and you're so, saying, like, okay, I don't. don't no, I, I get it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so when you say it on Friday, it won't be a goof. Exactly. There you go. You won't be golfing yourself. Exactly. <laughs> you know who else is going to join us on, on Friday? I know you're very excited, just like me. Dr. Christina Madison, our resident yeah. uh, health expert, and she's going to be participating in the best bets, as well as Jay Schrader, yourself, Brian Benowitz, Matthew Holt, Scott Spritzer, myself. So looking forward to Friday. Yeah, we, we just had Curtis Her- Terry on, who, who was great with the shot, and Christine's also great with the shot. <laughs> yeah, and she gave you the shot, exactly. Yeah. All right, very nice, the flu shot. There you go. I wonder if our next guest, uh, how he would be. I think he would be great with the, uh, with the best bets. We've got to involve him, and especially when he comes here to Vegas. We've got to get him on here down at the Cosmopolitan so uh, he can pick out his three best college games, three best NFL games. And we're talking about the former quarterback himself, the pride of Notre Dame. Stevie Slapshot, you've got to fire up that Notre Dame fight song right now because the Irish, are, they're painting the gold helmets tonight. They're getting ready. Actually, they do it the night before. But uh, getting ready to play Clemson on Saturday. We can hardly wait. And the former quarterback, and he also does a fantastic job with CBS Sports. There he is, number seven. That's right, I said number seven because there's only one number seven. Right, and, and, and with all of his jerseys, he'd be perfect in Vegas because he could have triple seven easily. Exactly. There it is. <laughs> Steve Burline, my man, what is up? What do you say, man? How's it going? <laughs> How about that introduction? <laughs> you can't get that kind of introduction at the first tee at the golf club you were at today. Come on. No, no, I cannot. There's no way. And I, I, I want you to know I cut my round short so oh. I could be with you guys today. And oh. uh, I am all Notre Dame. I've got a Notre Dame hat on, <laughs> Notre Dame shirt, Notre Dame pullover. Uh, just, just fired up for the game this weekend. And guess what? I'm going to be actually, I just made a decision today. I got a lot of friends who are going to be there in Charlotte. And I, obviously, I lived in Charlotte for 15 years, so we've got a lot of people out there. And yeah. I'm going to buy myself a ticket tonight. I'm going to be there on Saturday. So You're going to buy yourself a ticket? I'm excited about that. That's like the, the, the booster club can't help you out a little bit and, and get you a comp ticket? Or you just want, you want to support the cause? Well, that when right? I say I'm going to buy myself a ticket, I'm talking about buying myself an airline ticket. Oh, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Okay. I got, I got people that are going to take care of me at the game. Of Don't course. Don't worry about that. I'm going to be in a nice little suite there oh. uh, with a bunch of Notre Dame people. So. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. That is that is going to be outstanding. There it is. And just so you know, I, I got my Notre Dame toque on today, as I say over here, and, and the Canadians like to say they have the toque. 
You know what the toque is, Frank, don't of you? Of course I know what yeah, a toque the toque is. There it is, yeah. So I got, I got my Notre I know Dame. the McKenzie Brothers 12 Days of Christmas. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> with that, but anyway. The take off to the Great White North. Steve, I feel bad you cut your, you cut your, your golf game short today. You told me you're, you're teeing off at, at 1230. I mean, you've got to get nine holes in in, in in less than two hours unless you had some slow traffic ahead of you or unless you were off in the rough today. What's going on? No, I, I was pl- I, I was talking about not getting the full 18 holes in. I got oh, I got yeah. nine, I probably got about 12, 12 or 13 in. Okay, okay, but, uh, okay good. You know, I, I couldn't get the full 18 in because uh, you know I couldn't let my guy my my guys down here and uh, on this radio show. So uh, here we are. I appreciate you, man. I I really do. All right, let's talk about the college football championship weekend. It's a weird scenario, Steve, because we've got you know the championship weekend games, but then we've got about another 15, 16 games sprinkled in that, you know, are postponements. It just seems very, very strange. Let's uh, let's break it down. And I imagine you would like to start with the ACC championship game, the Irish taking on Clemson. Clemson, revenge on their mind. Uh, relatively, it's, it's very close, almost, I don't want to say it's a home game, but very close for Clemson. And uh, they'll be playing uh, on the grass there in a stadium you're very familiar with. Let's talk about this game, the Irish, Clemson. Uh, Clemson has revenge on their mind. Uh, we've never seen Dabo Sweeney usually lose to uh, the same team, uh, you know, you know, twice within a year. Give us your take on this, man. Well, I don't. Uh, you're 100 percent right. I don't know if that's ever happened. You know, since Dabo really got it going there at Clemson, that uh, they've lost to the same team twice. So, you know, talking about in the last 10 years uh, or so, but. Um, you know, I, I really do believe that Clemson is accurately projected to be the, a significant favorite. Um, when you look at the, the obvious things, you know, the fact that Trevor Lawrence wasn't in that last game, and everybody that I talked to, they, yeah, but that rookie played, uh, that freshman played so well. He did play very well, but he's not Trevor Lawrence. And I guarantee you when you look back at the film and when they had their, their film study on with opportunities to make plays or – get out of bad plays into good plays. Uh, the coaches were saying, man, if we had Trevor, we would have made that play. Uh, he does that in his sleep. You know, all the different things that could have happened. So my, my point is that just having Trevor Lawrence alone will make a difference. They're also going to have two of their uh, starters back on defense. Uh, so they're going to be a full go. Uh, and you combine that with the fact that, as you said, uh, huge, huge motivation. Dabo is a great motivator anyway, but when you got a, an opportunity to get back at a team uh, with the tradition of Notre Dame, prime time, uh, this game is for all the marbles. They know if they lose, they're not going to be in the college football playoff. That, that much we do know. Um, you know, if Clemson wins, then obviously there's going to be a lot of questions, but if Clemson loses, they're out of the picture. And so they've got so much motivated uh, motivation going for them uh, I really think we're going we're gonna to have to play better than our best game uh, as Notre Dame football team to beat Clemson. I mean, everybody, everybody on that team wearing the blue and gold is going to have to play better than the best they've ever played in order to win this ball game. Steve, make your best case why the Irish can win this game and sweep Clemson during this series. Is it the offensive line? Is it Ian Book? What is he going to need to do? But just make your best case how the Irish can win. I, I can't make a best case. Uh, the, the best case is if Clemson doesn't play their best for some reason. Um, you know, I, I do think that, uh, in general, 
the strength of our team, uh, running the ball with our offensive line up front, with our uh, depth at running back, is, is, it has to be the focal point of the game. We can't run the ball against Clemson. And, again, they're going to be at full strength defensively this time. Uh, but if we can't run the ball, then it, it, the, Ian Book is not the kind of quarterback that you can say, hey, we're going to put the game on your shoulders. You've got to win it for us. Uh, he has to have help. The Clemson has to be respecting the run in order for Ian Book to be able to uh, be a major factor in this ball game. And he's played very well, especially the last uh, you know four or five weeks. He's played very, very well. But but he is not the kind of guy that you can expect to in a big big game with a team that's equal uh, to you from a talent perspective to to say he's going to drop back and shred a defense and win the ball game for you. Um, you know, it's just not going to happen. So we have to be able to run the ball. That's, I think, where uh, Notre Dame has a chance. If we can run the ball and, and, and mix it up on first and second down, you know, with the play-action passes, with the bootlegs, uh, because Ian Book is so – he's very mobile and uh, he's going to have to make some plays with his feet. He's going to have to extend some plays uh, when things break down around him and, and make some plays up the field. But – uh, you know, he's got to play a super, super ball game, but we have to be able to run the football. With Florida's loss to LSU last week, it looks like they're probably out of that Final Four pitcher. If this game is as close as the first one was, and if Clemson gets the nod this time, could both teams from the ACC make it to that Final Four, or would other conferences scream about that with all the money and two of the four teams being from the same conference, even though Notre Dame isn't technically normally an mm. ACC team? Well, you know, that no one's ever uh, – I mean, people cry about that when there's two SEC teams in all the time. But uh, most of the time it generally is warranted. And I think as long as Notre Dame doesn't get blown out, as long as it's a good football game and Notre Dame matches up and, and shows up and plays well, I think Notre Dame has an argument if they lose that game uh, because of, the, of playing the full schedule and, and because of the big win against Clemson earlier in the year. Uh, if they get blown out, I don't think we have an argument uh, that you're one of the top four teams in the country because Ohio State uh, would legitimately have an argument there. Uh, maybe a Texas A&M would have an argument. Uh, I don't think USC has an argument. They're, they're finding their nose in there as well. They barely beat uh, UCLA last week. But, um, you know, I, I think that uh, it really comes down to how Notre Dame plays. If they win, automatically they're in. And then I think uh, you got the argument between Ohio State and anybody else. Uh, if Notre Dame loses, they have to play well. They have to be in that ball game for four quarters in order to make an argument that they belong there as well. But I think it would be justified in that situation. You know, we, Florida definitely is out, so we, we don't want to hear any more about Florida. But Texas A&M right, is another bad loss. Yeah, that's a yeah, bad loss. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Texas A&M is number five. They're, so on the outside looking in, even though they're not playing a real meaningful game, they're going to play Tennessee this week. But let's talk about the Big 12 championship game. Oklahoma, no one has really been hotter except maybe, of course, Alabama. But Oklahoma lost their first two games, and they've been rolling since. And they're playing an Iowa State team is just as hot. Could either one of these teams maybe sneak in there if the, the cards fall right? But just break down that Oklahoma-Iowa State Big 12 championship game, Steve. Well, I did uh, the Oklahoma game a couple weeks ago to show you how, how uh, you know, uh, many, how many times I've been hitting the head over the years. It was a couple <laughs> weeks ago. I did it on the radio. Right. And I can't even believe oh, it. Was, it was Texas Tech. 
And uh, I was going to say, I can't remember who they played. <laughs> but but uh, it was Texas Tech, and uh, that was a ball game for, um, you know, well into the second half before Oklahoma kind of took control of that ball game. So, um, you know, I, I, I do believe that, that Oklahoma, um, you know, they're, they're a good football team. I don't think they're one of the elite football teams. Um, and if, if it comes down to, um, you know, uh, the, the quality of a loss to a team like Oklahoma, I, I, don't, I don't put Oklahoma in that, in that conversation. Even though they've, you know, they finished out the season pretty strong after two early losses, uh, you know, I, I, I don't put them in the conversation at all. If Texas A&M does not come out on top in that game, then uh, I don't think they have an argument either. All right, Steve Berline joins us, the former quarterback. The Irish, also the Carolina Panthers, and, of course, the Raiders back in the day does a great job with CBS. And, of course, you can catch him on the CBS Sports Network on uh, Monday afternoons as well with his uh, quarterback show with his partners, right, uh, Trent, Trent Green and Rich Gannon and company. Ohio State, Northwestern, Big Ten, huge number here. Northwestern has, has won quietly, Steve, like we're used to seeing them win. Low-scoring defensive battles. Is their defense strong enough? to slow down Ohio State, and we've seen Ohio State maybe have some holes on the defensive side of the ball. Can Northwestern score enough to possibly pull the upset? Well, I think they can, uh, and, and, uh, and I, you know, I, I don't think it's a situation where I would have any confidence, you know, betting on Oklahoma or on uh, Northwestern if I were a, a betting person. I don't even know what the spread hey, is. Hey, Steve, but... you're, you're getting like 22. 20, yeah, 21 was the last I saw. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. up to 22 at some uh, spots. I, you feel comfortable okay, now? Okay, well, I, I, I would take Northwestern 22 100%. <laughs> I would okay. definitely do that. Okay, hold on. We heard I the wave. Uh, put Steve Berline down for 10,000. Okay, they say they got you covered. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe a quarter, uh, uh, maybe uh, one sixteenth of that. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll right. All right, hold, uh, avoid but, that ticket. But, uh, He's not good for it but, right now. Uh, okay. what, what I would say is this, okay? A great, a great football coach, which I think Pat. Uh, I mean, which I think. Uh, uh, Pat what Fitzgerald. Is, what's his what? Pat Fitzgerald. Yeah, Fitzgerald. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Uh, a great football coach can uh, overcome great adversity and, 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 and greater odds. Uh, Lou Holtz did it repeatedly as he was building that program at Notre Dame, um, and and the great coaches do that because they, they find a way to motivate their team and to get them to believe that they can uh, step up and rise to the challenge. This is, this is their time to, uh, to really etch their names in the, the annals of, of history. And this is, this is Northwestern's opportunity. I mean, it, this, let's not kid ourselves. Northwestern has ever played. And if they find a way, at least in recent history, I should say, uh, but if, if they find a way to win this game, uh, completely, uh, you know, d- destroy – all the college football playoff models that are out there uh, because nobody thinks they can beat Ohio State. Uh, I think it definitely can happen. I think Ohio State does have some some weaknesses. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen, but if Northwestern rises to the occasion and is able to channel their energy for four quarters, uh, keep the game close, and maybe have a chance to win it at the end, I would not be surprised. 
with Ohio State only playing the five games at this point, and a lot of people are getting on them for that, it's not necessarily their fault. They can't play games when the other team has COVID issues and they don't take the football field. But if it was a close game, if Ohio State wins in a squeaker in this game, do they still automatically get into the Final Four, do you think? Or could somebody else with an impressive win in their game this weekend maybe pass them up? And even a win could still knock them out if it's not impressive when you're a 21-point favorite. You know, I really don't know how the how the committee is going to weigh that. Um, it, it's it's such a you know in the in the beginning of the interview here the, the conversation, you know, you were talking about what a weird year this was, TC, and uh, you know I don't know how you weigh that. I don't think it's fair that uh, the six-win team uh, should be in the college football playoff against teams that have had four or five more games of wear and tear. On, on uh, key players and, you know, where they're more bumped up and beat up uh, when, you, when you're comparing apples to apples. Uh, you know, they haven't had nearly as many tests or challenges. Uh, you know, I, I, it's a really difficult argument. I don't know if there is a right answer. Uh, I, I do know that I believe that Ohio State right now is one of the top four teams in the country uh, when you just evaluate what the best teams are. But uh, do they deserve a chance to be in the playoff? The Big Ten made that decision not to have the season. The Big Ten, uh, you can make the argument, should pay the price. They don't deserve to have a team in the playoff. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be, uh, you know, honestly, I wouldn't be able to fight it uh, one way or the other. Steve Berline joins us, the former quarterback, and does a fantastic job with CBS Sports on the television side and also doing some play-by-play as well, too, some color analysts on college football. All right, Steve, let's uh, change our, our, our direction a little bit and go to the NFL, and let's talk about the Philadelphia quarterback dilemma. I want your thoughts on Jalen Hurts, a guy that we've talked about a lot over the last couple of years playing at Alabama, then Oklahoma. And then he was a second-round draft pick, and the Eagles said, hey, we're going to take this guy basically as an insurance policy. But now we're seeing you know, him getting the start last week. He will probably get the start for the rest of the season. I love the move personally. Uh, give us some thoughts on how you graded Jalen Hurts last week against the Saints and what's going to happen in Philadelphia with him and Carson Wentz moving forward. Well, First off, let me just say this. I'm a huge Carson Wentz fan, mm-hmm. and I think that uh, he's going through something that uh, is really going to test his mettle, and we're going to see what he's made of. I have zero doubt that he has the ability still to be one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL, and I have zero doubt that there would be, uh, aside from the teams that have the top five quarterbacks in the NFL, there would be 26 or 27 teams that would be willing to consider a trade for Carson Wentz. That's how highly he's thought of in NFL circles. So let's get that established right away. Uh, Jalen Hurts, I thought, uh, for a first game, did very well. He did the three things that I think are most important for a young quarterback. Um, You know, with his style of play uh, in his first game, number one, he protected the football, no turnovers. Number two, he, he made plays with his feet. Uh, he was able to run and pick up significant yardage in different situations on design runs and on uh, plays where the pocket broke down and he had to extend plays, uh, made some nice throws in there. Uh, the third thing is I think his confidence and his leadership uh, really resonated with that team. It was a definite boost of energy for that team, and it made the whole team around him play much better. Um, I do think that there's a couple points that need to be 
uh, you know, that cannot be over um, exaggerated or overlooked. One, the, the New Orleans Saints had zero knowledge of what Philadelphia was going to do with him. Uh, there was no preseason. Uh, they had no tape whatsoever on what Jalen Hurts as a quarterback for a full game, how they would design a game plan. I think if you gave New Orleans another shot at him this week, uh, you'd see a different ball game because New Orleans would now know, okay, this is how they're going to use him. And I think it's going to get more difficult for Jalen Hurts as the season goes along. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the New Orleans Saints minus Drew Brees, uh, not having any film on Jalen Hurts, I think Philadelphia had the advantage there. Uh, and, and I'm not taking anything away from Jalen Hurts, but we'll see a lot more about uh, how he's going to uh, match up with teams down the stretch of these final three games. And I expect it'll be a little bit more difficult. And he'll have to, if he wants to win, he's going to have to throw for more than a, you know, 150, 160 yards. He's going to have to make some plays uh, from the pocket, and we'll see if he can do that. You know, Steve, we would be uh, negligent in our duties if we didn't ask you about tomorrow night's NFL game as well with the Raiders who, uh, who had a bad loss to uh, Indy this past week trying to bounce back against the Chargers. The Chargers, another team with a young quarterback on Herbert who uh, he seems to be good. It seems like this team has talent. They just don't know how to win yet at this point. What do you make of this game and what do you make of the, uh, the, uh, the Raiders as far as down the road? Is this a playoff team? Because we see signs that they are and then signs that they're not. Well, and that's why I don't think that they are. Um, and, I, and it hurts me to say that, and I love the Raiders, and, and uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of, of everything that they're doing right now uh, and what they've done since John Gruden has gotten there. Uh, this team is, is building up their confidence, and they're, they're, they're getting to the point where they're, they're starting to expect to win football games. Uh, I just don't think that they're quite there yet. And they'll, they'll win this game this week against the Chargers tomorrow. Uh, I, I think that they'll get to nine wins. And, and as we know in the AFC, nine wins is not going to get it done. Um, and, and I just don't see it turning uh, in their favor. I can't see them winning out um, uh, to get to ten. And, uh, you know, it, it, it hurts me to say that. Uh, I, now would, I, would I be surprised if it did happen? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they found a way to win all three of these games because they're good enough to do it. Uh, but, but they're just not consistent enough yet across the board on both sides of the ball uh, to where I feel confident saying I believe this team is going to win out. I, now, another team that I do believe is going to win out or, or at least get to 10 is the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I think they're a team that uh, will find a way to get to 10, possibly even 11 wins. And, of course, that eliminates the Raiders right there if you're thinking that, uh, you know, that Cleveland and Indianapolis are going to be, uh, you know, in there as well. I don't think Miami's going to win more than one more of their games. Maybe they'll get to nine wins. Uh, so I, I don't see them. They've overachieved all year. They're a great team, and what they've done is amazing. Uh, but they're not quite ready to make that jump to the playoffs yet. And I think, unfortunately, I look at the Raiders the same as the Dolphins. Quick thought on Rod Marinelli being elevated from the D-line coach to the defensive coordinator, Paul Gunther, out. And, again, what can you possibly do at this stage of the season, Steve, and let alone just a, a short week here uh, with uh, for any the fans to expect the Raiders are going to be better defensively? Well, you know, I, I don't know how you measure that. Uh, I think it's just a matter of, of whether you can uh, create a, an ener energy situation where the players – come together and raise their level of play. And, you know, obviously with a new guy calling the, the signals, 
defensively, uh, it's going to make a big difference in how they prepare from a game plan standpoint. Uh, you know, Marinelli has been around for a long time, obviously, and, and uh, uh, we'll see if, if just uh, the, the change at that position. And I don't think they can do much schematically different than they've done all year. Number one, it's hard to do that even uh, on a full week, but on a, on a short week like this, uh, I think they're going to stick to what they've been doing. It's just a matter of deciding how much they want to bring pressure, how much they want to only rush three. You know, it's those kind of schematic game plan type of situations that I think you'll be able to measure the difference between he and Gunther. Um, and then, of course, just if you see a team coming out and playing like a bunch of crazed animals with the high energy, uh, that, that, that could obviously happen in this situation as well. All right, Steve, the most important question, the final thing before we let you go here of this interview is this. Who should I start at quarterback? Fantasy football playoffs. It's got, I got Kirk Cousins or Baker Mayfield. Direct me, man. What should I do? I got to win this week. Kirk Cousins, who, who are they playing? Uh, they're playing the Bears. So he, he might be able to work at, at, at the home, at, you know, at, at home. No. No? No. Oh. Listen, listen, let me just tell you something. <laughs> I, if you ever watched my show, I don't know if you for the last five years, I'm known as the Kirk Cousins basher. You and me both, man. I, I, you I, and me both. I love Kirk Cousins, but, but except if you need to win a game. If you need to win a game, I don't like Kirk Cousins. He, he has, he has old, this year, and it's held true his whole career, this year he's won one game against a team with a winning record this year. All right, one game. And that his whole career, it's, it's less than – one in five. He's won, I think, maybe eight or nine games against teams with winning records, and he's lost 30-plus. So my point is if it's a big game and they have to win it uh, against a quality team, I never would ride with Kirk Cousins. So my answer is I don't care who Baker Mayfield's playing. <laughs> he's a better option than Kirk Cousins. So, <laughs> well, let's see what Kirk Cousins That's did. all I got for you. When, when they played the Bears last time, he was 25 for 36, 292 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. The team only scored 19 points. They, they beat the Bears 19-13, but I don't know, inside against against Frank's Bears? I mean, Cousins has got to put up at least 300 yards, shouldn't he? Bears are coming off a well, big well, win, my friend. Well, think, think about how the Bears played last week. I mean, Mitchell Trubisky showed up, and yep. that team has got some energy, and even though their, their playoff hopes are slim, uh, that's a really good defense, and and uh, it's a big game. That's all. I, I just don't yeah. see Kirk Cousins stepping up in a big game. I hear you. And uh, even though the Bears don't have a winning record, I just don't. I, and I love Justin Jefferson. I love the weapons that Kirk Cousins has. And Dalvin Cook, uh, he's always going to get uh, good matchups on the outside because they got to play the run. Uh, but, you know, how, how, do the, how do the Minnesota Vikings start off the season one and four and get themselves <laughs> in this situation? I mean, how, how does it happen? It happens every year with Kirk Cousins. His numbers look good, and you say, boy, he's a, he could play. He's, his numbers were great. He's not the reason they lost. But when you're paying a guy $28 million a year plus, $30 million now, you expect him to go out and win games for you. And I just don't think that he does that. On a, he hasn't proven himself to be able to do that on a regular basis.
He's a Michigan State guy. I mean, can we can't what can we expect out of Sparty, right? Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, what what more do what more do we have to say? Exactly. Right? All right. And, 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 and trust me, as <laughs> as a Bears fan, it pains me to ask the other side of that. How do the Bears start out five and one and find themselves in the position they're in? Yeah. That's <laughs> well, right. that's a great that's a great question. That's a great question. It's a painful uh, question because they. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they they obviously they have their own issues, which we don't have enough time to get right. into. Baker Mayfield, the Browns are traveling to the. Meadowlands to take on the Giants. What do you think? Yeah, Gi- I, I, I think that I think the Browns show up. I mean, Kevin Stefanski has done an incredible job with that team. I mean, that that game on uh, on Monday night was absolutely fantastic, and uh, that team has got a a confidence now, and I think they're going to be better and more motivated because of how they lost that game. Uh, very seldom do I think it. You know, do I do I make the case that a team can get better? through, uh, through a, a loss. But this is one of those situations with a young team uh, that has not uh, had any success in recent history. Uh, we're uh, losing a game like that, the way they fought all night long, the way they came back, uh, I think this team comes out better because of it. I think they're going uh, to pound the Giants, and, and I think it's going to be a, a really sound win for them. And I think Baker is playing well. He understands what they're asking him to do and he's protecting the football in general. So uh, I think they're going to play very well. I got my answer. All right. Best club in your golf bag right now? The driver, man. Oh, look the driver. Out. Really? <laughs> okay. There he is. He's, I, can hit, I can hit the driver. He's long and strong off the tee. I love it. By the way, I do yeah. like the way that yeah. you use the underlying symmetry there of from the dog pound, they're going to the Meadowlands to pound the Giants. <laughs> Well, that was unintentional, but I'll take credit for it. <laughs> All right, my man. Hey, we'll let you go. Steve, really appreciate the time as always, man. Always great. Get to Vegas soon so we can take care of you, okay? Get out of here. All right, guys. We'll do it soon. Take care. Take care. There it is. Just remember, drive for show, putt for dough. There you go. There it is, a pride of Notre Dame, Steve Berline. He is on the Irish this week against the Clemson Tigers. I'm sorry. I love the Irish, too. Flying out there for the game. He's, I love it, but I'm a little scared. I mean, when has Notre Dame won the big game? You know, especially when it comes to college football playoff time, four horse meaningful games. You know, yeah, thanks. Newt Rockney? No, <laughs> Lou Holtz. You know, back in the day. All right, appreciate Steve Berline. We come back. We'll start looking at the numbers. Get some winners. Scott Spritzer, Doc Sports, my man. He's coming up next. T.C. Martin Show live from the Cosmopolitan. <laughs> Logic and insanity mixed into a perfect prescription from the Dr. T.C. Martin. Glad to have you here on a Wednesday with us. Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas here all week long. Don't forget, of course, Friday, our best bet segment and a a bevy of guests coming on down. Join us. And you should come on down as well, too. Come down tomorrow. Come down Friday and get involved in the William Hill mobile app. If you don't have the app yet, you got to sign up and get yourself some free money. It's real easy. Download the app on your phone, and then you come over here to the Cosmopolitan or any of the great William Hill Sportsbooks anywhere around town. Deposit at least $50 into a brand-new account, and then we'll match it with another $50. You've got to use the promo code TC50. That's right. Use that, TC50. And when you deposit 50 bucks, they'll give you another 50 bucks to play with. Boom, there you go. you got to do it. The William Hill app. Very easy to use, and of course, anywhere available, get signed up at any of the William Hill Sportsbooks throughout the great state of Nevada, specifically over here 
at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. And even when you leave here, then like you like to do, you go home, you're watching the games, do that in-game wagering mm -hmm. and uh, improve yes. those odds and uh, maybe make a little bit more or maybe uh, offset. the. If you were going to have a loss, you can still make it a winner during the in-game. This is true. All right. And a guy who knows all about the in-game wagering is Scott Spritzer, Doc Sports, my guy. What is going on, Scott? Hey, how's it going, man? Just uh, getting ready for the weekend and some college basketball, that kind of good stuff. Love these day games every day, I got to tell you. I know. This is true. All right. We'll get into some football in a minute, but you brought up college basketball. Uh, tell us what you're seeing because I know we've talked before. It's so hard to handicap when you don't know if games are going to be played or not. It seems like every day we've got at least five to ten, maybe up to 15 games uh, you know, postponed or canceled on the college basketball docket. Uh, what are you looking at tonight, Scott? Well, I'll tell you what, as far as what we've done so far, we're, we've already been in action a couple of times today, and we've been able to win. And, and TC, you know, this doesn't last for a course of the season, but so far this basketball season, uh, we're hitting 70% of our plays. And I told you about it last week, what I'm doing. I'm going with, you know, a couple of plays per day. That's just about it. I just don't want to get out there with seven or eight plays and then find out I'm missing three players due to the virus or anything like that. So, that's basically what we've been doing. It's been working. You know, tonight we've got a little action coming up in about 20 minutes on Cincinnati. It's gone up a little bit since last uh, check and since I bet it. It's up to about eight and a half at this point. And uh, also got a couple of uh, games that I'm looking to get involved with that are kind of under the radar contest, TC. We've jumped on William & Mary, which is already underway as I'm looking at it, obviously. Uh, but also, you know, we're looking at some of those games away from the norm that, that people are normally playing in. We're jumping on some of those extra board games, if you will, and coming up with a nice a run thus far. So that's basically what we're trying to do. I mean, again, tonight, Cincinnati's a play. I've got the Duke game over the total against Notre Dame, 146. I think it's up to 147 in some spots. Real quick note on that, the people that I've noticed – are playing Notre Dame or looking for the game to stay under, you know, based on what Notre Dame did against uh, the Wildcats of Kentucky not too long ago. You know, that's a team that ranks like 210th, talking about UK, in, in adjusted tempo. And what Duke does when they're coming off a loss, which they lost eight days ago, uh, they tend to pick it up on the offensive end and look to attack. And their adjusted offensive tempo is, is pretty, pretty far above what Notre Dame has been used to. So I think because Notre Dame has a strong backcourt with talent, they're going to try to keep up offensively, and I think it pushes that game over the total. I'm glad you brought up that game. When you look at Duke and, and Notre Dame tonight, and you mentioned the loss at Illinois, and we you know, talked a lot, and we played uh, Mike Krzyzewski's comments after that game saying, hey, we're not very good. He wants to send his kids home uh, for Christmas. They, they canceled all the other non-conference games. How is this team, do you think their mindset is going into this game, going on the road to South Bend tonight and playing an ACC game? But, again, for all those reasons I just said, Scott, you know, a long layoff, coming off a loss, all the talk that's going on with uh, Coach K's comments and these kids knowing that, you know, hey, you know, we're, we're going to be going home pretty soon. Yeah, it's tough to judge, you know, as far as that's concerned, what the mindset might be. I would think they get ready for this game and they come out and they play hard and, and it really doesn't bother them. Maybe they're a little sluggish on the defensive end in the first half or maybe even late in the game, which would be good for uh, the over because they haven't played in eight days. But as far as the mindset, you know, Coach K's dealt with so much over the course of his, you know, 40-year career or whatever it's been now that I think they'll just, you know, be able to get back as far as mentally speaking, get back into playing the best basketball they, they possibly can. Now, 
as far as what they're able to do on the floor. We'll have to wait and see physically. But the bottom line is, I just, you know, I, as much as I thought Coach K was whining and I disagreed with everything he was saying at the time, it's one of those situations where you just got to respect what he's done, especially coming off a loss. I mean, this isn't anything new for Coach K to have to have his team play with an eight-day you know, stretch of no games in between. I'm sure they've been practicing the whole thing. All the reports are is that they've been practicing just fine when they have practiced over the last eight days. But again, I, I just, you know, you got to go with what he's done long-term in his career. And it's too tough to judge, you know, how a team is between the years. Like when you say a team, now a lot of people like to play against teams, and I'm just using this as a kind of an offshoot of what we're talking about or a sidebar. A lot of people will look at games where teams barely won a football game and a huge game and won it late and they'll automatically play against the team that lost. And that's usually the team you want to play on. You want to play against the team that lost that game at the very end. So when you're looking at how to judge emotionally, I just got to go with the guy who's been around for 40 or 50 years in coaching and tends to bring the best out of his team when he needs it. Let's talk about a matchup standpoint from this game. Duke, a very young team. We saw the number open, I believe, around four and a half down to two and a half now. Duke on the road, that, that favorite. How, how do they match up against the Irish? Well, yeah, when you look at it, first of all, like I said, I, I, I look at adjusted tempos on games like this when you're talking about it, one team especially with a massive amount of talent. Notre Dame, not too bad themselves, obviously. So that's what I f- first start to look at, and I kind of want to see in those situations which team might be pushing or slowing down a tempo, and if that's the more talented team, they could throw a wrench into the other team's system. But what I look at this one is I think, you know, you look at last week's loss to Illinois. We know what Duke does over the years. When they try to bounce back, they do it on the offensive end when they're off a straight-up loss. And I think this team will be ready to go. They'll look to play at a pace that puts pressure on the Irish. And Notre Dame does own a talented backcourt. They've got a couple of starters who are going to be able to shoot lights out in all likelihood for at least a decent chunk of this game. But Duke owns top 20 offensive and defensive efficiency numbers thus far. And I think eventually that allows them to pull away from the Irish in the second half. Listen, the number was four last night. It got all the way down to three today. I just think that number is a little bit too short. I actually made Duke six and a half in my power ratings at this particular venue, playing at Purcell Pavilion, and and I think they they find a way in the second half to come away with the victory. Scott, I know you mentioned that you're uh, being a little bit more selective right now because of all the craziness that's going on, but have you been basically just betting sides and totals, or do you do any, like, first-half wagers or something? Because it seems like in some of these games, like last night, Minnesota and Illinois, Minnesota got off to a night's day, but then Illinois rounded into shape. It looked like a blowout at the end, but is there some advantage maybe to try to get on a team early that might fade late? Yeah, it's a good question, and that's kind of what we've been doing also. We've been throwing into the mix is second-half plays, and what I've been doing is I've been looking for teams that are decent-sized favorites, you know, teams that are seven, eight, nine, ten-point favorites that are either tied, maybe up by a point or two, or trailing, especially trailing outright at the half, and then jumping on those teams in the second half, and they've done quite well. I've probably done that seven or eight times so far this season, and we've won all but one time of those, of those uh, second-half plays. So that's what I'm looking to do. I'm not really getting involved with weak teams that are down at the half or anything like that, but good, solid basketball teams that are eight, nine-point favorites that are struggling in the first half. They've been – you've got to cherry-pick a little bit. I mean, you, gotta, you can't just bet them blindly. Uh, but at the same time, they've been really nice bankroll uh, increasers for me over the course of the first few weeks of the season. So, yeah, uh, as far as first-half plays, I've been staying away from first-half plays and just jumping in on the second-half plays. 
Scott, real quick analysis. The one game I uh, want to ask you about as well is Butler Villanova tonight. I know Butler has has got a ton of injuries, but a team that's only played one game so far this year in Villanova is five and one. Uh, Twelve and a half is the number with Villanova. Any thoughts? Yeah, you know, I got a real lucky win the other night, guys, on Villanova over Georgetown. I was down 18, lane 12 or 11 and a half, and they came back and won by 13. And so my numbers actually said in this game to jump on Villanova. Not only that, but you just mentioned one of the situations that they are in. They've already played, what, I think six games, and you got Butler, who's only played once, way back on opening night, November 25th against Western Michigan. They squeaked by in that game. Butler I have in the top 70, but with that one game is all they played thus far, I actually lowered them a little bit. And their effective field goal percentage against Western Michigan uh, was not good at all at either end of the floor. So, listen, Villanova's upwards last check of around 13. They probably win this game 16, 17 points by the time it's said and done. But I ended up passing on it even though I had a slight lean towards Villanova. All right, Scott Spritzer joins us. All right, Scott, uh, college football championship week. We've got the ACC, SEC, Big Ten, Big 12. Uh, give us a, a quick thought or two on the games that you like here. Well, I'll tell you what, I haven't been betting a lot of college football early, early in the week, but I did this week in one particular game to start, and that was going against Nebraska and playing on Rutgers. Obviously not the Big Ten championship, <laughs> uh, but they're playing on Friday and uh, about 4.30 Pacific time. And we jumped on Rutgers plus the points there. Now, Noah Vedrill is a Nebraska transfer, the quarterback for the Knights. He may not play in this game, but they got a capable backup. And then, of course, I like Shiano and what he's done over what Frost has been able to get out of his team in Lincoln. So I was surprised. I thought that number should be three and a half. It's six and a half. There's a couple of sevens out there. I took the points with Rutgers. And as far as uh, anything else that I've done thus far, I did jump on Stanford plus the points over USC already. Uh, this weekend. I, I like Stanford, excuse me, over UCLA. I like Stanford in this spot with UCLA coming off the real big emotional and physically draining game last week in which they somehow blew that game against their crosstown rivals. Stanford, you know, three and two, playing better, a little bit under the radar than a lot of people give them credit for. And we took the points. And you can get seven and a half if you shop around with Stanford in this one. You know, I didn't mention the Pac-12 championship game, which will be Friday night, and Oregon slides in there instead of Washington. USC only a three-point favorite in this one. How about USC undefeated, a, a team that knew they were going to be uh, playing this game, then Oregon just gets thrust in there. Uh, is this too low of a line? I don't know, man. I mean, USC coming off that close game last week and Oregon getting no respect from the public. Here's one thing that I look at, I mean, in this particular game. It opened three. It's still three. But if you look at the juice on that three, you'll see that the money has come in on Oregon a little bit. I'm not sure the books want to drop this below three, so they're adjusting the, the juice on the number, and it's come in on Oregon. Now, Oregon's kind of been a, a, a write-off, so to speak, for the public, 65% of the tickets thus far in the books that I care about are showing that they're coming in on USC, yet the juice has gone down on Oregon a bit, which means to me more respected or sharper money has come in on the Ducks. I haven't made a move on this game yet. Going to wait a little bit. I'll probably jump in uh, by tomorrow night for Friday. Just want to see how all the injury situations go. But right now you can tell I'm kind of leaning uh, towards the Ducks in that one. And I also wanted to mention, speaking of first halves, I played a first half play on Northwestern over the Buckeyes in the Big Ten game. I think uh, you can get 11, at least I did uh, when I made the play. I think it's down to 10.5 first half. But I think the Buckeyes are going to find the going a little bit tough, at least in the first 30 minutes of that game against Northwestern. 
And I was going to ask you if you like any of those dogs, a huge dog, Florida against Alabama, Northwestern getting 21 against Ohio State, Clemson uh, a 10-point favorite over Notre Dame. Can you make a case for any of these dogs? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, that Clemson-Notre Dame game, I'm just going to throw this out there. I mean, Notre Dame moved the ball at will against Clemson. That had, another, uh, that had nothing to do with Trevor Lawrence being sidelined in that game. And another note on that game is that, you know, they went up against the backup quarterback. And although Clemson's backup quarterback is going to be a star, the bottom line is they didn't face Trevor Lawrence, yet they, Clemson, were able to throw the ball at will and score all those points against the Irish. So what I'm trying to say here is that, I don't think there's going to be a big uptick on what Clemson can do offensively, and I have total respect for Trevor Lawrence. They did everything they wanted to anyway in the first matchup. Now they're laying ten and a half. I kind of feel like the Irish are getting a little bit disrespected in that contest. If, if that game is close, do you see the scenario, and we just asked Steve Berlin this earlier, that where both of these teams can make the final four if it's close but Clemson wins? It would certainly seem that Clemson would have to win for them to get into that final four. Yeah, it's tough, man, because you've got A&M who's right on the cusp. You've got also, what if, you know, I mean, this is an outside shot, but what if Iowa State upsets Oklahoma? Uh, You've also got, of course, you know, Ohio State. They've got to get knocked off by Northwestern. I don't know, man. I I think if it was me, it would be the loser of this game drops out of the Final Four, and I know that might sound unfair, but, you know, late season loss, you've got to drop them out, I think, if Ohio State wins. And, again, you've got to give respect, I think, to A&M, too. So, yeah, for me, this is an elimination game for the Final Four. Now, that doesn't mean the committee is going to do that, but that's how I'd have to vote. By the way, Steve Bernlein, you've got to talk to him one day, TC, and ask him if he remembers around 1991 or 92 when he was with the Dallas Cowboys, and I sat in his condo interviewing him on a, on, a, on a report that I had to put together for the entire season on Notre Dame football, and we sat there and we talked for about four hours in his condo. Then he invited me out to dinner with himself and some of the Cowboys, and I chose to go somewhere else that night, a different kind of bar. So anyway, <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, it was, uh, it was an interesting time. I don't know if he remembers that, but uh, what a great guy. And he was ex- extremely accommodating and made me feel at home that day when we were doing all that work. I wish you would have told me this before we had him on. I would have brought it up uh, today, but as he uh, alerted us today, he's been hitting the head <laughs> a few times as well, too. He, he was having problems who was playing, uh, remembering who was playing this weekend. Well, well I don't again. look anything at all like I did 27, 28 years ago when I walked into his condo and brought this temporary, or I guess I should say portable studio with me to have him record Notre Dame football for three or four hours. Had a little bit longer hair, could actually grow hair, and I was a little bit thinner. Uh, but yeah, what a great guy. I mean, I, I had that one experience with him, and he was just a terrific person. Yeah, he is. Yeah, but by the way, I know I said Final Four, and I know we were talking basketball and football, but in essence, it is the Final Four for I college, know. but they don't call it that. But hey, if people can say period when they're talking about football games, when that's a hockey term, then I can say Final Four for the Final Four in the NCAA football championship. Frank, I'm with you. I call it Final Four all the time. They want to expand. <laughs> I won't call it Final Four anymore. <laughs> Just because there's not 68 teams playing for it, they're still the Final Four. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Scott Spritzer joins us. Sorry, Scott. Let's go to the NFL. Let's, uh, we got the Raiders tomorrow night against the Chargers. I think a lot of people are thinking the Raiders are going to get right in this uh, game, but still, the defense is still the defense of the Raiders. I don't care if it's Rod Marinelli, it's Paul Gunther. Uh, I don't know what changes they can make there. The personnel is still not uh, really sharp. And uh, the Chargers, they showed up last week and won and basically can make the case that they probably should have beat the Raiders when they played a few weeks ago in L.A. 
I'm a little surprised right now that the Raiders aren't even more of a public favorite right now. I'm looking at the couple of books, again, that I care about the most, and they're getting about 53% of the tickets. You know, I would think that that goes up as far as the public is concerned over the next 24 hours. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But, the, you know, the Chargers were in a perfect spot last week, and it has to do with teams that come off of those, you know, 40-point losses and how they turn around and do the very next week. And we saw that line move to them being the favorite. They still almost didn't come through with a victory over against, you know, against a mediocre football team in the Atlanta Falcons. But you know what? One of the plays I like in this, I do lean towards the Raiders. I also like Austin Eckler to go over 37.5 receiving yards for the Chargers. He's been targeted almost three dozen times in the past three games, out of the backfield catching footballs three dozen times in three games since coming back. And he is going up against a defense that absolutely struggles against running backs who can catch the ball out of the backfield. I saw 37 and a half, and I played over on Eckler in that game. All right, good stuff. All right, Scott Sprite, so you can check him out at DocSports.com. He's on fire, 70%. College basketball, you keep it up, my friend. And, of course, uh, you can follow him on our website as well, too, part of our best bets at tcmartinshow.com. Have yourself a great weekend, Scott. Look forward to talking with you over the course of the weekend. We'll get you back on the air next week. Have a great one, guys. Take care. There he is, Scott Spreitzer. Uh, great stuff, great knowledge. Steve Berline, love having him on today. Great stuff. Curtis Terry, uh, UNLV, the former running rebel, talking about the COVID situation with UNLV with their uh, situation right now, season at a pause. Yeah, and, and, and again, that, that, that's the key thing. It's a pause right now, right. but hopefully they'll get back up and running right now. But uh, when the coach has COVID, probably the right way to go. All right, we appreciate you, everybody. We're back out of here tomorrow. The Cosmopolitan at 2. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com.